Joey Interval. <clears throat> Joey Interval was uh, my brother's best friend uh, from the middle school years. Started playing basketball and sports together probably fourth, fifth grade. Um, on the same basketball team. Lived in the same neighborhood uh, as my father and our original house where we grew up. Uh, him and my brother became friends from that and, you know, Cub Scouts, things like that. And they weren't really, really close in the, the middle school years, but going into high school from 8th to ninth grade, they, they started hanging out a lot more. Um, they became really close from that point on. Uh, Joe never really played any sports or anything, never continued uh, to play sports in the high school, and was more of a social party-goer, um, Italian strict Italian family eat dinner together every every Sunday never miss that um, kind of he, he wasn't one where his parents would let you you know party and stuff like that um, they were he his dad was stricter so um, you know probably a lot why he came to our house to do that. But in the high school years, Joe was uh, a well-liked guy by everybody. And he fit in with all the groups. He, he hung with all the athletes and the people in the drama club. He, he, he intermingled with everybody and was like a go-between for everybody. Uh, so throughout high school, you know, him and my brother were really close and me and my brother were really close as far as my brother having a friend that came over all the time spent time with us at the house it was, it was joe it's pretty only, pretty much only joe he he had other friends and, and stuff but they not to the point where they come and hung, hung out all the time um my parents loved joe both my mom and my dad he he was his personality always make people laugh and you know just a a, a nice guy um, so him and my mom and him and my dad both had a really special relationship as well um, in those years you know my my dad's house was kind of the the place to go or hang out and, you know sometimes Joe would be there with without us being there he'd be over at my dad's house and you know that was okay because it was joe and, and my buddy trent was like that too but uh so high school was just pretty much joe was at that first party when i started drinking and my brother got involved and pretty much never left our side the whole way through and i believe he was the main one to get the alcohol he he had a cousin that was older and you know he was always making things happen uh no matter what joe could find the alcohol whatever um you know and a party guy you know he liked to party a lot 
Um, women loved women, loved being with different women, uh, similar to, to me. And uh, he had a little sister, has uh, Amanda, who was a year younger than me and put them three years apart. Uh, but, uh, you know, throughout those high school years, he, he brought all them together, you know, so Amanda and her friends and who was friends with Emily, uh, me and my brother and, and Joe, that tight knit group had always got together. So after a dance, after a party, it always seemed like we ended up with that crew, um, all the time. And Joe was pretty much the ringleader. He was the ringleader of where we went, uh, you know, setting up for parties. You know, he was always involved heavily in that. Um, he, he never missed any of those moments. He was also extremely happy for people all the time. Uh, you know, when we got our new cars, he, he didn't have a new car. He didn't get a new car. Me and my brother got new cars going into college. And he just extremely happy and, and grateful for us and showing off our cars to everybody else. Um, you know, he did everything with us, went on trips with us. And, uh, you know, um, the high school years, like I said, he was Mr. Personality. Uh, he, basically just did everything together um as I said his parents were stricter so the majority of the time he would you know come over our house and be there all weekend and um he was the one that was similar to me in the sense he was always seeking out to get beer or have beer or whatever weed and he was also the one with my brother the first time that, you know, my brother got involved with it and they stole it from me. Um, you know, and they were sitting downstairs in our computer room and I knew they had stole it and I came down with a golf club and, you know, said, you better give that back. And sure enough, you know, they handed it over right away. Uh, but that, that partying lifestyle and, and the social aspect was was his thing able to mingle with everybody um, and pretty much like like I said it was only one my brother was really hanging out with throughout high school so our use together was pretty much always the same he was he would get out of control and black out a good bit but he was also that guy that could drive and get everybody where they needed to go. A car full of people, his sister, her friends, me, whoever, and be drunk and, and get you there or get you back from a party. Uh, so when after high school, when my brother went away to college, my brother, you know, deemed it upon Joe to to look over me. You know, he told him you got to watch over my brother and make sure he stays out of trouble. And, you know, Joe said, of course, and the, the kind of people that we were, we 
he did look over me and he did look after me, but we didn't do anything but the wrong things and get into trouble. And uh, so he he started going to school at WJ, and that's what got me introduced to you know the college lifestyle. So my junior year, I remember playing football, and he was in a fraternity at, at the school, and and like I would finish a football game on a Friday night come home and get cleaned up and head down to his fraternity house and he wanted me there he wanted me there for everything you know no I was never the the young kid or whatever I you know he expected me to be there and part of his fraternity lifestyle um so we had got that year and got into the cocaine pretty quickly and heavily and he had connections and people he dealt with at school there and quickly uh, overran that with better pricing and, and product and you know that's where some of that started was we were taking it there and getting rid of it to college kids and the majority of them had money um, and he pretty much handled it all you know I just had to just had to have it bring it and you know sit back and let it go down. So his his partying at school, um, you know, me and him would do the cocaine and drink all the time. And he, he started not doing so great in school, living on his own because he was partying all the time. Um, he, he partied during the week, you know, like I did in college. But when I was in high school, I wasn't partying during the week. It was just on the weekends. Um you know, and Joe would go to these parties and stuff and take stuff that I had and get rid of it for me and then give me the money. Uh, you know, and it, he was always bringing people into the college and the college atmosphere. You know, I'd show up there and his little sister would be there with her friends. And he just always had a crew around him wherever he went. So he started doing bad in college, and his grades were falling behind, and he was out living on his own, and his parents were coming down hard on him because uh, he started failing out. And, you know, due to partying all the time. So, you know, in that time when he was going to W&J, I went away to college his, his last year there, I believe, and um, seen him on a regular basis for the same old stuff when we got home uh christmas break every every break we had you know he would he would be there and i i believe he went to live in georgia and he started selling cars down in atlanta a nissan dealership and he was living with his cousin so you know we would take road trip my brother was in south carolina he was in atlanta I was in Kentucky, and we would, you know, we'd get together on road trips and go to Atlanta and, you know, party all night, and he was about 20, 20 years old, and he had, in the Viper Room here, I forget what the club was, this big club, he had connections to get everybody in there, underage, whatever, he was always that guy, I remember going to a club in Pittsburgh, I was like 19 years old, and didn't have any ID, didn't have anything. And there was a line getting into Matrix, one of the clubs at Station Square, like, you know, 50 people deep. And 
the whole time I'm freaking out, like, how the hell am I going to get in, Joe? I don't even have a, a fucking ID. I don't have anything. It's like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I'll get you in. So he had had a fake ID and stuff, and, you know, we get up to closer to the line, maybe 10 people deep, and I see Joe veer off and start bullshitting with one of the bouncers. Didn't even know him. General conversation. Needless to say, he... I get up to the line, no ID, no nothing, and they didn't check me and just go right through. He just had a way of getting people to like him and, and getting getting everybody together to have a good time and just made it happen. Uh, you know, so he would do that. Anybody's birthday, whether it was mine, my brother's, Emily's, one of her friends, his sister, you know, he was putting together some kind of celebration and we had a club, and, you know, with underage people, he would get everybody in and who knows how. He always took it upon himself and he always got it done. Uh, so his sister ended up going to college or third year at school or whatever, and she ended up going to Virginia Tech. And at that time I had left Moorhead State, was living with my brother, so I remember, you know, him being in Washington, getting a crew of people to drive to Virginia Tech and, you know, calling us and getting us to meet at Virginia Tech, and next thing you know, there's like 10 people in a dorm room, and that's kind of like what he put together all the time. So, he did a lot of that, get, get people traveling out different places, it always involved partying. You know, he wasn't into the drugs with his little sisters and friends. I was drinking for sure. He always tried to hook up with them all the time. That's a, you know, a given. Um, but didn't really get him involved with drugs. We we just did them. Uh, kind of left them out of it. Um, so when I was done at Moorhead State, Joe was living in town and had started failing out of school. And I come back to Washington, I didn't really have any plan, you know, for schooling, but I had to get something in. I had to take some classes uh, to, to hold me over to get through. So Joe had started going down to Cal U next after WJ. And, you know, talked to my dad briefly. He said, well, why don't you just go down there and, you know, get some three or four classes in this semester. And so that half a year or so I, I went with Joe I was living at my mom's house and you know we drove every day either me or him would drive to Cal U so I think we only went three days a week two or three days a week but you know we drove there every day um, we, we actually had two out of the three classes I was taking together And then, you know, at that time, we would go to Cal U and come home. And we never really stayed down there and partied or anything like that because we lived in Washington. But me and him would run all the Washington bars and do all that stuff. And, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights. And um, when my brother would come home from college, he'd get involved with us. Um, after that half a year, uh, is when I got my house up in Coriopolis, and you know the first 
thing out of Joe's mouth was, well, I'll come live with you and I'll go to Robert Morris. And I was kind of like, no, nah, Joe, you do your own thing. I didn't say that to him, but kind of felt that way just because he didn't really have a solid path together and he just wanted to be around me and us and, you know, that was the greatest thing to him. Uh, so when we lived in Coriopolis, he was he was at our house up there you know I lived alone there for a year or so and then my brother moved up there and he was there you know every week if not twice a week stayed the night all the time he was there all weekend and we would hit the bars up in Moon and in that area um you know and in those days we were used a lot of cocaine and those were the days of up all night um hundreds of dollars of worth and you know he was never one to quit doing it I I would walk away before he would just because I was done and you know he would stay up or whatever but he uh he, he loved that that was his main thing was that and drinking um and as I said before you know we said there we weren't going to do heroin we weren't going to smoke crack uh at some point that got to him but in those years, you know, the, the drug use got so heavy for everybody. I mean, me, him, my brother was doing it, you know, as much as us. Well, maybe not as much, but a lot. Um, you know, and that's when I broke and, and had anxiety and all that stuff went on. And, and, you know, he just, he couldn't. He got into got into it heavier and. That, that year we lived up there, you know, is when he started to fade away a little bit and hang with a different crowd and uh, a different group, you know, that, you know, we weren't really cool with and not the kind of people we liked. We, we were into heavy drugs, but we never really hung out with that crowd, I guess, like, I don't know, bad people were bad people, good people were good people, in my eyes, we were all good people, just hard partiers, and he got involved with people that were like, you know, stab you in the back kind of people that wasn't our type of people, um, so like I said, I, I missed a call the night he died, and I, at that time had been kind of straying away from him a little bit and staying away because I knew I couldn't be around that stuff. Um, I I remember when probably the last time I saw him I think me or my brother got a set of wheels for our car and came in and you know Joe said, well, I want to stop down and see him. We were at my dad's house, and I want to stop down and see him. So he pulled up, and he just looked fucked up. I couldn't tell what, because I wasn't into heroin or, or mixing coke and heroin. It was just a weird look to him, and he was putting weight on, which I, I couldn't get that either. I knew he was drinking a lot, but he got really chubby and, and bigger throughout those last years. Um, and he was just kind of out of it. He wasn't himself. And I remember, you know, he looked at the wheels and he was happy for us or whatever. But, you know, I just, he left and I was like, man, Joe's getting heavy, man. He's getting into something heavy and didn't really 
dive into it too much because I was, you know, we weren't one to guide people or we really didn't know. We didn't know what what he was into. Didn't guess we never really asked either. Talked to him about it. Um, he had also texted my phone multiple times about drugs when we were split up uh, or I wasn't answering the phone, this and that. Um, can I get it? You know, he needed this, that, and he almost annoying me. Like, you know, I told him, no, I couldn't get it or whatever. And he just kept bugging me to get some. And so it goes on the story. He, he ended up dead, uh, in his car at a, at a bar in Washington in the parking lot. And he was actually found with a blanket over him. So we, we kind of know that whoever he was with, he went out on him and, you know, they just covered him up. And that was, it was never, oh, the police department sucked, you know, A and B, we were into so much bad stuff at that time. We didn't want to be calling the police or trying to figure it out, but, you know, it, it was pretty apparent that so he, he died in front of these people and, and they left him there. They just covered him up in his car like he was sleeping. And the most disturbing part is, is my brother was like the last person he tried to call. And, you know, my brother had talked to him briefly before that. I don't know what happened that he missed the next call, but Joe tried to call me. He missed it, and then Joe tried to call me, and I didn't answer it. And I don't know if I saw the missed call or I saw him calling, but I knew he had called. And that next morning, when uh, when I got up and was doing my thing, is when I got the call that they found Joe dead. Um. So kind of like he was reaching out to us in, the, in his last minutes. My, my brother called me that morning, you know, before I heard the news. And was like, hey, Corey, man, can you can you find Joe? He sounded fucked up last night. Like something's going on with him. Something's wrong. And I said, yeah, yeah, you know, I'll try to get in touch with him. I tried to call him, no answer. And just kind of blew it off and kept doing what I was doing. It's, uh, you know, that's what happened. He was, he was trying to get a hold of us. And that's when he, he died. So, uh, we, we took that really, really hard. My brother, me, every, my whole family, you know, my mom, my dad, our cousin, you know, our cousins, our friends. Everybody knew he was like our brother. So the day he died, everybody flocked to our house. Like my cousins, my my best friends, my girlfriend at the time, and her her friends. And my brother didn't know. Like I said, when he he pulled up, we said, you know, you got to come to town because we can't find Joe and. And we didn't want to tell him over the phone. And he, he pulled up and just, he immediately knew. So, that was, 
extremely sad for the whole family and me and my, the whole family, man. My dad's girlfriend. Nobody could believe it. And by far one of the toughest deaths I had to deal with. And then after the fact that, you know, me and my brother thought about him trying to reach out to us and us not being there. And so we had to go through the funeral and I don't, I don't know how we got through it, but jam packed, you know, Italian, loved by everybody. So his funeral was like standing room only. And I remember one of the guys that he was with when he died, um, we were walking into the funeral home the day of the the, uh, the funeral, and when they they were walking in behind us, and I just got so sick because I wanted to kill them, and you know I knew my brother. I felt that way for my brother too. And the guy pulled my brother, and he was like, "Hey, man, I just wanted to say, you know, I'm sorry about Joe." And I, I just thought, you know, for sure my brother was going to lose it, or I, I was, and we, we just kind of, I don't know what happened, but we just just walked away and went in. And never really talked about that much anymore, but uh, I know my brother was fighting back a lot at that time and didn't say or do anything. So, you know, we, we ended up burying him, and always stayed close, you know, with his sister and his, his, his family took it real rough. Um, his dad is kind of in disbelief. His sister, of course, was traumatized by it. His cousin was really close with all of us, um, you know, around our age, drinker like all of us. It reminded us a lot of him, hung out with us a lot after that. He was, you know, traumatized by that. His dad, of course, was all fucked up because at the time, you know, he kicked Joe out for a little while when he was on this binge at the end and, you know, would go looking for him and found him at these people's house. And it was just, I don't know what, what all went on, but I know he was having some severe problems. And his dad went into some denial or something. So after Joe's death, you know, we, we had to go. The day we found out, me and my brother rode up there. My brother, he couldn't, he couldn't walk in the house. So somehow, you know, I got him in. I said, you know, come on, Colin, we're gonna, we're gonna do this. So anyhow, I got him in there. We met with the family, and you know, hung him and stuff. And a couple days after the funeral and all that, his dad wanted me and Colin to come up to talk to him. So we did, we went up, and uh, he was asking us all about our drug use and what we were doing and what kind of party we were doing, how we were doing it, how much we were doing. And it, I remember it caught me off guard because he was asking dumb questions like he, how much did you do? What, what's a line of cocaine, you know? And I, I, we were just dead honest with him. We didn't get into any of the selling or anything like that, but... We told him everything we did. We had to explain to him, you know, how much we did, you know, per night or whatever. Um, 
and then kind of got together and told what we thought happened to him. And uh, after that, his dad was just to me he was just ruined. He wasn't the same guy, you know. He wasn't. I don't know. I've seen him after that. I just didn't feel like you know. I think he held it against us at some point, whether we were a part of it or we were still alive and his son wasn't, which is all understandable. But it just we didn't mesh afterwards like, you know, I, I thought we would have or my brother would have with them being so close to Joe. Um, to this day, I think my brother probably still has a problem with that. That You know, he doesn't really talk to them. He, he has, he's tried, and it's, you know, awkward and kind of, you know, doesn't try anymore. We also had to go talk to the police because I was clearly involved in everything he was doing and they had his phone and my brother was the last person he had talked to and then the last person he had tried to call so the police called him or police called me and said they needed me to come in to talk to me you know and I immediately said well don't you want to talk to my brother he was the last person to hear from him you know figuring they're just worried about the drug game uh and they were like yeah you know what why don't he come in with you so we had to go in and this is what i'm having all that anxiety and breakdown and shit we had to go in and talk to detectives and uh about what was going on and uh pretty much just told them the truth i mean never got into what we were selling or anything like that but was just up front about we partied all the time, you know, we did coke, we, we drank, and, you know, we we told them that our story, like, you know, we, we said we were never going to get into heroin or crack, you know, and I was honest with them, and I, I know they believed us, you know, I, I'm sure they seen some messages that knew I was involved in a lot more than just use, but uh, really couldn't hit it on anybody so uh, the last thing they, they said to us was you know Joe looked comfortable it looked like he went in peace and even though they were trying to be uh, nice and, and kind toward us it kind of hurt because you you knew that he, he might have been able to be saved if there wasn't, he wasn't just left for dead. If, if somebody would have called 911 or tried to resist, I don't know. But that's the story of Joe. I mean, me and my brother talk about it. Not, not, well, we talk about him all the time because he's a part of our life. Um, but, you know, it's, it seems, not so often anymore it's it's been so long and like at my brother's wedding I, I was giving my best man speech and when I thanked everybody for coming and being here tonight you know I uh, I said that there's one, one person that can't be here tonight that would be extremely happy and proud to be here with you 
and, and by your side, you know, that's that's Joey Interful. <clears throat> so I, I just knew I had to tie him in and <clears throat> mention him with such a big thing going on in my brother's life that, you know, Joe would have been <laughs> extremely happy and grateful to be a part of that and to be in it. So after that, I mean, we, we discuss Joe, we talk about Joe, but not not a whole lot. I mean, stuff comes up all the time, and you think back and reminisce. It's like, oh, what if Joe was here? Remember that time Joe did this or that? Uh, but we're still, you know, we're both still affected by it. Everybody is that was, was that close to him. It's just over time... You know, it does heal a little bit and fade away. And that's kind of where we're at now. Um, in the time game. I remember I had one dream about him that I, I know for sure. I had a couple since he died. And I was sitting on the front porch of my dad's house. And he showed up. And... He had gray hair, but just, you know, Joe with gray hair. I said, Joe, what are you doing? He was like, what do you mean, what am I doing? I said, you're dead. You died. He was like, are you kidding me? I'm like, no, man. I was like, you died. And he just looked shocked. Like, are you serious? And I was like, yeah, man. And, uh, you know, he said something to me like, you know, I'll, I'll be all right or something like that like comforting and that was pretty much it but uh that's that's Joey in a nutshell <laughs>